Proverbs chapter number four. That's where we're gonna the main text we're gonna look at this morning. Proverbs chapter number four. I'm excited but nervous. Nervous but excited. And still nervous. Okay. <laughs> As we get ready for this three week series, um, that I think will be a help to us. I know that uh, it's been a help to me, and um, I'm just praying that God would work in your heart that we'd be strengthened more in the love we have for Jesus uh, as we look at God's word this morning, Proverbs chapter number four. And I'm excited because um, this three-week series is going to be entitled On Guard, which is securing a greater love for Jesus against a competing world for our affections, okay? Um, Securing a greater love for Jesus, and in uh, the, the beginning of week one, which is today, which we're going to start today, we're going to talk about guarding our hearts. And then next week, uh, beginning week two, we'll talk about guarding our minds. And then the final week, we'll talk about guarding our eyes. And I would like for you to be there to make this uh, a priority, to be here on Sunday morning. Uh, and I believe all of these at the culmination uh, will help us understand that there is competing forces for our affections for the Lord uh, and that the Bible does call us to guard against um, those um, uh, competitions that, that come for us. And uh, th- these things will help. These will help us uh, to have a greater love for Jesus. Uh, and I hope that you will make it a priority to be here. Uh, and so as we begin, uh, let's pray one more time. I just need to ask the Lord just to, to, to help us this morning. Father, uh, we come before you again. We need you. Uh, I need you. I pray that you would help me to say what you'd want me to say. I pray that you calm my heart. Lord, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm nervous, and I just need you, uh, Lord, as we get through this message this morning. Uh, God, I know that there's things that, Lord, you want to show to our church that you've shown to me. And God, I just pray uh, that, Lord, our hearts would be, uh, Lord, ready and wanting to secure this love for you. Uh, that this uh, that the world around us is trying to steal. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin here, from the dawn of time, our love for God has been under attack. We find in the very openings of our Bibles in the first book, Genesis, the book of beginnings, we find the attack on the relationship between the first created man and woman and God. The first created man and woman, Adam and Eve, And then we find here that the serpent in Genesis, the serpent also known as the devil, uh, attacks the love that Adam and Eve had for God and God had for Adam and Eve. And they had this beautiful communion in the beginning. If you read the first couple of chapters of Genesis around chapters three through four, you'll find that God would come in the cool of the day to walk with his creation. What a beautiful thing that must have been. You and I who are saved by Jesus Christ have a relationship with the Lord, but Adam and Eve got to experience a different type in the sense that they got to see God face to face. Wouldn't that be awesome to see God face to face, to have that type of communion? And praise God, because one day we get to have that. Right now, it may not be, but if you're saved here this morning, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, one day you will get to commune with God face to face, just like Adam and Eve did. But this communion, as soon as the, the opening pages of Scripture, we find that this communion, this love, already was under attack. Already the competing forces around were trying to distract Adam and Eve, trying to take away from Adam and Eve a greater love for their God. We find that Adam and Eve disobey the first instructions that God gives not, uh, for Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit 
of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, no, this is not for you. Every other tree is for you, just not this one. And Adam and Eve, guess what they did? They disobeyed by the temptation of the serpent. They gave in and that beautiful communion was broken. Sin entered into the world and now we, now we have competing forces for this affection we have for the Lord. But God in his grace would come still searching for Adam and Eve. God knew that Adam and Eve disobeyed, but it didn't keep God away from coming to them. We find in the scripture that Adam and Eve, they tried to hide themselves from God. God comes down and he looks for Adam and Eve. Praise God that he looks for us. And that in our sin, Adam and Eve, they tried to hide themselves. They tried to sow fig leaves and and try to put on their own covering of their shame and guilt. And yet God comes down, confronts that. Uh, He deals with the serpent, deals judgment with the serpent soon to come. And and then he gives Adam and Eve the first gospel message. They had church that first day, okay? They had church. He gave them the first gospel message. That's also known as proto-evangelium, the first mention of the gospel where God says that one day there will come a man who will step on the head, crush the head of the serpent, which will bruise the heel of that man. And guess who that man is? That man, that God-man, is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ would come 2,000 years later, live a life we should have lived, die to death we should have died. And here's the thing, he rose again, which we, ser- we, we, we celebrated last Sunday, his resurrection. And yet Jesus Christ came, and that was the gospel message to Adam and Eve. And what a beautiful thing that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, that attack, that's still today. For each and every one of you who've placed your faith and, and, and trust in Jesus, guess what? You're under attack as well. There is an affection that we have that belongs to God alone. But yet in this world, there is competing forces coming after your own heart, coming after your own mind. It's coming after your own eyes. And if you wake up, if you understand, you'll see that all of these things are around us. And there's an attack on our affections. Day in and day out, there's other things pulling for your affections. There are things seeking for your attention. There are things that are temporal, that are trying to offer you satisfaction. This fallen world, our flesh, and our greatest enemy is trying to rob from us a greater love a deeper love, a more steadfast love. And they're trying to do this by lessening our affections, by attacking our hearts, by attacking our minds, and by attacking our eyes. And so as we begin this series this morning, let's start off with this. As I said, the three weeks, we're starting off with number one here today, guarding your heart. Guarding your heart. Now here's the thing. You've heard this probably preached before, but don't tune out. Allow it to help you again. Guard your heart. You've probably heard that dating or uh, growing up about boys and girls to guard your heart. So don't, don't tune out this morning. Be engaged, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in this. Let's look at our main text, as I told you before, to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Let's look at verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, the words are up on the screen, but I'll read it from my Bible. Let's read it here, Proverbs 4:23. This is Solomon speaking to his son, and he says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's read that together as a church. Ready, begin. Keep thy heart 
with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So as we begin here this morning about guarding our hearts, we find here probably the most popular text about guarding your heart is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We know who, uh, who Solomon is. Solomon was a king of Israel. Solomon was a man who God gave the opportunity to say, hey, whatever you want, I will grant. Don't you wish you had that opportunity? And so what uh, Solomon says is, Solomon says, God, I don't, I don't want riches. And we could have, he could have wished for that, and God would have gave him riches. Uh, God could have gave him whatever he wanted. But his heart's desire was wisdom. And guess what happened? God gave him wisdom, but then he gave everything else that probably you and I would have asked for, but God gave him wisdom. And wisdom, and Solomon says this to his son, the wisest man ever to walk the face of the earth beside Jesus, the wisest man says to his son, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. When Solomon is speaking to his son, he's saying to keep his heart. And in other words, guard your heart. Then he adds with that, with all diligence, above all else. Okay, son, above all else, guard your heart above all else. And then he says this, for out of it are the issues of life. And another way of looking at that phrase, the issues of life, uh, is another way of looking at it as the wellspring of life or the course of life. And so Solomon gives his son this admonition, hey son, guard your heart above all else because this is the essence of who you are. This is the wellspring of life. And so when we think about this, why do we need to guard our hearts as we look deeper into what Solomon tells his son? Number one, we guard our hearts because number one, our hearts are valuable. Our hearts are valuable. According to a study done just last year on home security, on average, Americans spend about $20.6 billion on home security. That's a lot of money. And there's such great emphasis on keeping their possessions safe, but most often a home security system is set up to guard against burglary to keep unwanted people to enter in and take what is not theirs. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't know anyone have a home security system. Anybody? Uh, the main idea of the home security system is uh, not only just to protect those inside the house, obviously you and I, but whenever we're outside of the house to protect our house from our possessions being stolen, okay, being taken, for somebody to come in and take what is valuable to us. And Americans spend about $20.6 billion on keeping their possessions safe. That's a lot of money and that's a great emphasis on security, on guarding. But when it comes to you and I as Christians, what we come to find is that we don't place that much emphasis on our own hearts. We don't find that our hearts are that valuable. We don't find that our hearts are something that the enemy is coming after. And you and I don't place that much value on our own spiritual, intangible heart. Do you understand this heart leaves this earth and keeps going? Everything else that you possess is going to be eaten by moths and rust will find it, okay? Everything that we possess here, we can't take to heaven. And so the Bible says this, uh, that, that we must place the emphasis on the spiritual, on the intangible. Here's the thing, we treat our hearts most often like trash cans, okay? You know the day when you have to put your trash can out, okay? You know the day when you have to take your trash out and put it on the side of the curb and wait for the trash man to come. Here's the thing, you don't buy a, home secu you don't buy a security system for your trash can. Why? Because your trash can is worthless. 
the things inside of your trash can is worthless. You do not stand outside in your robe trying to guard against thieves trying to get into your trash can, okay? Because your trash can has nothing good in it. You've thrown away everything that has no value into that trash can, so you don't guard that. And oftentimes, we get careless like that with our hearts. Our hearts are like a trash can. The, the thing inside the trash can, we don't, we don't guard it. We don't put any uh, value to our hearts. Now, here's the thing. Our hearts are valuable because, number one, the idea is this, is that God values your heart. The God of the universe values your heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance. And say this with me. But the Lord looketh on the hearts. See, in the story, Solomon is here trying to pick a king. And God's giving Solomon some advice. Hey, don't pick the guy with the outward appearance, the things that we value the most. We value his height. We value his looks. Man, this guy could be a great king. But what does God say? Don't look at the value on the outside. Look on the value on the what? The inside. Look at his heart. Look at his heart. God values our hearts. But for Christians, when it comes to the investment or the importance of our hearts, the watchfulness, the security, the guarding, sadly, we don't value our hearts like that. And as I said before, the things that we often value, the material things that we often value, and here's the thing, I'm the same way. All right? If you go into my office right now, you'll see boxes of different electronic stuff. Okay? I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker for electronics. Okay? I'm a sucker for technology. I love those things. And sometimes I have the weird thing of not throwing the boxes away because for some reason it looks cool. All right? It looks cool and then it makes me think I still have something like that brand new. Uh, and I just like it. It's like this weird collection. Um, and so the thing is, yeah, I can become materialistic as well. You and I can become possession-filled as well. And guess what? We value things that we'll never be able to take with us. The phone we have in our pocket right now, you're probably going to have to get a new one because it's going to get outdated very soon, okay? You're probably going to have to upgrade it by the time this is over, right? The possessions we have will never satisfy, and the possessions we have will never go with us where we go. And so when Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 19, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Jesus is trying to get us to understand that there's greater value, not in the temporal things that we have, but in the eternal things that we have. And one of those things is our hearts. Is our hearts. See, Jesus is explaining this, the temporal reality of stuff. Now let me ask you a question. Do you see your heart to be valuable? Is your heart valuable? See, our affections, as I said before, are being battled for day in and day out. The spiritual battle we face of either submitting to the will of God or submitting to the will of self. See, God values your heart. God wants your heart. Your heart matters to God. Tim Keller said this, Tim Keller is an author and pastor, and he says this, Jesus Christ, who had all power in the world, saw us enslaved by the very things we thought would free us. He laid aside the infinities and the immensities of his being, and at the cost of his life, paid the debt for our sins, purchasing us the only place our hearts can rest in his Father's house. Knowing he did this will transform us from the inside out. 
What's awesome is, is God saw your heart and he valued it. And guess what he did? He sent Jesus to die for it. He sent Jesus to take the pain. He sent Jesus to open his arms, be nailed to a cross because your heart means something to him. Hey church, God saw our hearts were restless and so he sent Jesus to bring rest to our restless hearts. He sent Jesus to turn the hardened hearts to softened hearts. He sent Jesus to turn the wicked hearts to worshipful hearts. He, he sent Jesus to turn the broken hearts into fixed hearts. He sent Jesus to turn the wandering hearts into a steadfast heart. Jesus gave, and he came, and he gave his heart, and he gave his life so that you can have a heart of life. So we guard our heart because Jesus paid such a high price for it. Your heart means something to God. Don't treat your heart like trash. Your heart means something to the Lord. Ezekiel 36, 26, Old Testament, but this was kind of the idea in which the Old Testament was coming to in the New Testament in which Ezekiel said, uh, God says, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Number one, we see here that God values our hearts. Our hearts are valuable. Number two, when it comes to guarding our heart, number two is because our hearts are prone to disease. Our hearts are prone to disease. Just like our physical hearts, our spiritual hearts are prone to disease. If we neglect our physical hearts, harm will come to us and the same to our spiritual hearts as well. It's amazing how the Bible can parallel the physical things of life and the spiritual things of life. And let's use this concept of the physical and the spiritual to illustrate the parallels of both as we talk about the vulnerability of the heart, how it's prone to disease. There is a heart disease called atherosclerosis. I'm sorry, I've been trying to learn that word for the last couple days, and I, I don't know if you guys know, you can go on Google, okay, and you can type in a word, and it'll give you a definition, and then you can press the sound button, and then it will actually say the word for you. I've been practicing that word so bad, but yet it still doesn't come out right, okay? And some of you guys who, who know this word, I'm sorry, okay? There's a heart disease called atherosclerosis, okay, which is the hardening and the narrowing of the arteries, Silently and slowly blocking arteries, putting blood flow at risk. It's the usual cause of heart attacks, strokes, and the vascular disease, which together is called cardiovascular disease. That's an easier way of saying it. And another way of saying it is this. It just means you had too many cheeseburgers, okay, from McDonald's, okay? And that's the thing. I, I, I bet you I might have that, okay? Um, I am a fast food person, 100%. Um, it's easy, it's fast, obviously, um, and only if they made healthier stuff, but they don't. So they do, they make salads, but I never go for it. So, um, And so the thing is here that our hearts, just like the physical heart, if, if we don't, if we do not, okay, if we do not take care of this heart, guess what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to experience some, some heart damage. So our spiritual hearts are exactly the same, okay? The Bible talks about different conditions of our heart. And just like this hardening of your arteries, you'll find here that there's a hardening of the spiritual heart as well. The spiritual heart also suffers from hardening. Over time, the spiritual arteries narrow and the flow of the spirit in our lives becomes less. 
when we give ourselves over, when we give our hearts over to those things that will damage our spiritual lives. When we give our hearts over to sin, when we give our hearts over to these different types of things that go against the Lord, against his word, when, when we give our hearts over to those things, we're surrendering this love that we've been talking about. Guarding your heart is guarding this, this love that you have, your affections. But when you give your hearts over to the things that are not of God, your affections are going to suffer. Your heart's going to become damaged. You're going to find that you might have a hardened heart. And yet throughout the Bible, we'll find pleas against these types of hearts. Number one, the, the hardened heart. Psalm 95, 8 through 9, the Bible says this, Harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempt me, tempted me, proved me and saw my work. Proverbs 24, 18, Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. See, one of the, the symptoms or one of the bad things that our hearts are prone to disease, it's prone to the disease of hardness. But not just that, if you and I are honest, our hearts are also prone to idolatry idolatry. It says this here in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This is what idolatry leads to. It makes you think that you know better. Matt Chandler, author and pastor said this, the idolatry that exists in a man's heart always wants to lead him away from his savior and back to self-reliance, no matter how pitiful that self-reliance is or how many times it has betrayed him. Understand your heart's prone to idolatry. Your heart's prone to fear. John 14, 27, Jesus has to help his disciples to understand. Don't be afraid. Peace I leave with you. May peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. We're prone to fear. Our hearts are prone to be afraid. Our hearts are prone to pride. Okay? Here's the thing, we all struggle with pride. Some of you guys are like, well, I'm super humble. Well, then again, you struggle with pride, okay? We all have a tinge of pride within us, and if you think you're the humblest, you're probably the pride, prideful, okay? Here's the thing, our hearts are prone to pride. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Our hearts are prone to lust. Proverbs 6.25, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. And finally, our hearts are prone to deceit and wickedness. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Church, we need to guard our hearts so that our hearts are not swept away with hardness, pride, idolatry, fear, lust, wickedness, and deceit. Blocking these things from your heart secures a greater love for Jesus. It does not contaminate that affection. It does not steal away from that affection. When we guard against these things, we set our hearts up for a greater, deeper love for Jesus. To give our hearts over to these disease, they won't bring greater life. If I keep going to Wendy's every single midnight, okay? Because you can go to Wendy's at midnight if you don't know, okay? If I go to Wendy's every single night at midnight and I eat uh, my favorite meal there uh, all of the time, guess what? I'm not going to get stronger. I'm not going to get healthier. I'm not going to be able to live life to the fullest if I keep going to Wendy's every single night. Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to die, okay? <laughs> Slowly but surely, my life is going to be depleted. Slowly but surely, it's all going to come downhill. 
God created us for full life. He values our hearts so much he gave Jesus. But our hearts are prone to disease. You and I have to take care of this heart. You gotta guard the heart. And lastly here, we find here, not only is our hearts, not only are they valuable, not only are they prone to disease, but here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's it all coming together, ready? Because our hearts are the very essence of who we are. Of who we are. King Solomon says, it is the wellspring of life. In other words, it's the source of everything else in your life. Your heart outflows into, overflows into thoughts, words, and actions. Okay? Thoughts, words, and actions. Solomon says, keep your heart, guard your heart, son, because it's valuable above all else. And out of your heart are the issues of life. Out of your heart is the, uh, is the, is the wellspring of life. This is who you are. So, uh, son, your words, your thoughts, your actions, whatever you give your heart over to is who you're going to become. This is what's going to happen, son. That's why you value your heart. That's why you keep it above all else. Because what has your heart will dictate your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Like an actual wellspring, you guard the spring. You guard it. You keep your heart. You guard the spring from being contaminated or altered, okay? You keep your heart because there's things trying to pollute your heart. Now, the wellspring represents who we are. No wonder why God calls us so many times to give him our love, okay? God says, give me your love. But he says, give, me, give it to me with your heart. Give me your love attached to your heart, which is attached to your life. So what is God actually saying? Give me your life. It's funny because he was with the Pharisees and the Pharisees came to Jesus. And the Bible says this, that Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Did you know they had a worship that was detached from their own heart? A fake worship. A polluted worship. And it wasn't even tied to their heart. It wasn't tied to their life. And yet Jesus pointed it out and he said, listen, I want your worship, but I want your life. Because if I have your life, then guess what I have? I have your worship. I have your heart. And that's what God wants. God wants your heart. And Solomon says this, listen, make sure that your heart Make sure you guard what represents who you are. So God calls us, he says, give me your heart, give me your love tied with your heart. Give me your trust tied with your heart because God sees it's valuable. The greatest commandment starts off with this, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean on to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your hearts. What God wants is all of you. He wants all your thoughts, words, and actions. Guarding your heart is securing a greater love for Jesus. Leaving your heart wide open and defenseless is an attractive thing to a roaring lion. That was biblical terminology. So <laughs> what I mean is this, is that the devil's out there. 
when you leave your heart unguarded, guess what? He's looking for it. The world is looking for it. The flesh is looking for it. You have competing forces this morning. You have God, who we should wholeheartedly surrender our hearts, give it over to him. And then you have the enemy who wants to take that heart, who wants to twist it, pollute it, mess it up. You know, the Bible does call us to guard our hearts. And here's the thing. I'll be done in just a second. Here's the thing. Some of you guys are actually good at guarding your hearts. You're good at guarding your heart away from God. I do the same thing. God, I don't want you to have this. God, I don't want you to see what's inside of this. God, I'll give it to you when I want to. And we're going to guard against, we're going to guard our hearts against the Lord, from the Lord. Church, we need to give our hearts to God. There's one type of guarding we don't do. We don't guard our hearts away from him. We open our hearts to him. We give our hearts to the Lord. So here it is at the end. We understand here that we guard our hearts, as Solomon tells his son, because his heart is valuable, because his heart is prone to disease, and because his heart is the essence of who he is. And then finally here, the conclusion. So now that we understand this, that our hearts are valuable, that our hearts are vulnerable, that our hearts are the very essence of who we are. So how do we guard our hearts? Number one, we allow our hearts to be fully accessible to our God. You think that doesn't make any sense? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, opening your heart? That doesn't, that doesn't sound like guarding your heart. And in fact, it does, it is. Opening your heart to the Lord is protecting your heart. Why? Because God, get, got, God gets to look inside and he gets to take away the things that shouldn't be in there. So he's protecting your heart. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here's the funny thing, though. Does God know your heart whether or not you show him? Yes. So it's weird how David will come and go, search me, O God. Why do you have to ask a God who already knows your heart? Well, the thing is, from our perspective, you and I need to surrender. Even though God already knows your heart, he wants you to bring it to him. He wants you to bring it to him. God's not a God who produced robots and makes you do what, makes you do what he wants. He wants to know that you love him. He wants to know that there's a greater love for him. And so you and I, that greater love, that secured love, we bring our hearts to the Lord. And then finally here this morning, we rest our hearts in the finished work of the gospel. We guard with the gospel on repeat. Day in and day out, we inform and lead our hearts back to Jesus. Tim Keller, that pastor, said this, we must go back again and again to the gospel of Christ crucified so that our hearts are more deeply gripped by the reality of what he did and who we are in him. For where our treasure is, there will our hearts be also. May Jesus be who we treasure above all. Because to treasure Jesus is to guard your heart from things of less value. It places our hearts away from prone, uh, away from vulnerable diseases, and our very essence is lined up with who he calls us to be in him. Your heart is valuable to the Lord. Your heart is vulnerable 
to diseases. And your heart is the very essence of who you are. And this should bring about an awareness, an urgency, a security, a watchfulness that you and I ought to guard because it's wise for us to guard our hearts. The competing forces every day is going to come after your affections. But yet when Jesus is our treasure, he then has our hearts. The Bible says to lay up your affections in heaven. Lay them above. But too many times you and I, we take them back and we place them here. So this, here's the thing. It's a constant, it's the constant reality that you and I come back to the gospel again. And as pastor says, not for salvation. Obviously, no, that's a one-time deal. But the gospel reminds us once again, lay it up. Lay it up. Guard your heart. Put your heart where they can't get it. You know where they can't get it? They can't get it when it's with Jesus. So we guard our hearts because they're valuable, they're vulnerable, and it's the very essence of who we are. You want to love Jesus more? You want to have that avenue to where you can have a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus? Here's the thing. Jesus never messes up on the relationship. Do you understand that? See, I'm not preaching a, a message to Jesus and say, Jesus, your heart, you know, you got to understand it's valuable. No. The thing is, the relationship, the one who falters in it is you and I. You got to understand that. The relationship is you and I. And God's love for us will never, ever run out. Praise the Lord. But the world around us is trying to steal the, one that, the love that we have for him. So church, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word. I pray, Father, in the next couple of weeks that, Lord, as we look at guarding our minds and guarding our eyes,